or hit him with the bags. Always first, never last. I be the king of my class, got the heart of a wolf, and that's that. Double, double, like it's nobody business. I'm gonna take the ball and pass it to Wiggins. Welcome, everybody, to the most must-listen-to Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, Dunking with Wolves, where we are wolves, we are fan-sided. You can find us online at www.dunkingwithwolves.com. You can go ahead and find our podcast here on SoundCloud or on iTunes. We'd appreciate if you guys would rate, subscribe, like it, do whatever you got to do. We would really, really appreciate it. I'm Brian Sampson, one of the co-experts for the site. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Sampson MBA. And I'm here, as always, with Ben Beacon, the other co-expert. You can find him on Twitter at Beacon. Ben, how are you doing tonight? Outstanding. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. The Timberwolves coming off a 3-1 and one week here. And, you know, things couldn't be better. They're, they're really gelling. Um, about to hit a really tough part of their schedule, as, we're talk, as we'll talk about here. But overall, they're gelling, and it's looking good. So what's on our agenda for today is we'll start out by reviewing last week and how Minnesota did. Then we'll talk about Towns and give our take on if he's really improved on the defensive end of the floor or not. Then we'll move on to talk about Jimmy Butler's clutch play last week, especially against the Denver Nuggets. And we'll wrap up, like always, is previewing the next week of games for the Timberwolves. So this past week, Minnesota went 3-1, and one, and they're creeping closer and closer to the San Antonio Spurs in third place. So Minnesota is now 24-14, and 14, and they are 10 games over 500, um, and they're only a game and a half behind the Spurs for third which is actually a smaller margin than the Thunder, who are in fifth place, because they're three and a half games ahead of the Thunder. So things are really looking up for the Timberwolves here. Last week, they started out the week, well, they had two back-to-back sets. They started out by beating the Denver Nuggets in overtime, thanks to Jimmy Butler's heroics. Then they lost a tough one at Milwaukee. They were up by 20 points, I believe. I don't know if that's the exact number, but it was at least 20 points, and they ended up blowing the lead. And then they blew out Indiana, and they blew on they blew out Indiana on New Year's Eve, and then they blew out the Lakers on New Year's Day. And both of those games, they got off to great starts. They were actually up 17-0 over the Pacers before they scored their first point, which was a franchise record. Then they almost topped that against the Lakers, starting the game out 16-0 before giving up their first points. So Ben and I, we were both perfect in our predictions. We predicted they go three and one last week. Ben, what was your big takeaway from the last week of games? I think it's something that's maybe a little bit less tangible than just winning. I mean, you look at all the games and you mentioned all the big leads. That I think it is like the last five games they've built leads of at least 19 points. Um, and the Bucks game being the outlier on the second half of the back-to-back and the first game without Jeff Teague after the injury, I guess that's something else we should talk a little bit about too. Um, but I think it's it's a little bit less tangible. It's the body language. I mean, I mean, I mean, you can talk all day about the the twenty plus point wins, but um, but it also just feels different, and and I guess it, it's different also when you are building leads that big versus winning you know really close games. Um, but the team seems to be having more fun, and, and they seem to um, to to really be be enjoying each other and kind of you know enduring Tom Thibodeau's um, coaching, just you know much more so than they did the first few weeks of the season. So um, I think it's been a lot of fun to to see the guys kind of kind of grow together and, and, um, you know, seem to really be having fun out on the court. Um, you know, significantly the game, uh, the new year's Eve game against the Pacers and then the new year's day game against the Lakers, 
they started those games a franchise record 17-0 lead to start the game on Sunday and then almost tied it the next night with a 16-0 start to the game against the Lakers. Um, anytime you're starting a game and, and the other team spotted you 16, 17 points, you know, football score, um, you're going to be in a better mood. And I think that that's shown. I think that the guys are relying on each other for, you know, how to play together. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the defense, which has improved and the offense has stayed really, really good. Um, you know, I, I, I went back and rewatched the, uh, the TNT game. Um, I had missed some clips here and there of some things that Charles Barkley and Shaq and those guys had said, and they talked a little bit about the Timberwolves offense, uh, quite a bit about the Timberwolves offense. A couple times they even said it wasn't a good offense. Um, that was the exact quote. I think Kenny said that, um, which is crazy because at least before before the Lakers game, they were fifth in the NBA in offensive rating. They do have a good offense. And, and as we talked last time, it's the defense that needed to catch up. And, and I think we're starting to see that. Yeah, for me, the biggest my biggest takeaway over this past week of basketball has been that the Timberwolves have taken care of business when they're supposed to. Uh, they won yeah. at home over Denver. The loss, Milwaukee, they're 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 a good team, and and they're coming. Minnesota's coming off a very emotional victory in overtime, and you could see they really got tired down the end there, down the stretch. And so I'm okay with that loss. But then they they rebounded and and beat the Indiana Pacers, who were missing Victor Oladipo. Um, and then they beat the Lakers, who was missing just about everybody, it seems like. So I think those are huge wins. 3-1 and one last week is going to set the table for all these tough games that they have coming up here. If Minnesota can even make it through January with a 500 record, I think I'd be okay with that because that would still put them at 10 games, 10 games over 500 at this point. And that's kind of what you need to do is tread water against the best teams in the league. But then, you know, you really go to work against the, the lower teams and take care of business that way. So I think Minnesota set the table nicely. They've now won seven of their last eight games. And we could really see them on the being on the verge of doing some great things. Yeah. And, and on this and on this stretch of seven out of eight or, or eight out of ten or whatever you want to call it, um, they're like five and one on the road or something like that. And, and that's really encouraging too. Um, and, and they've really played well on the road all season. They've had such a weird home schedule. There's been, a, um, Dave Benz and Jude Peterson have talked a lot about this on the Timberwolves broadcast on FS North, but, um, they've had so many of these one game homestands. They have like 20 of them this year or something crazy. Um, which isn't even really a homestand. It's, it's just like another road game. Um, and, and as part of the streak, they've won two of those games. I mean, that overtime game against Denver, we'll talk about it a minute. And then the Lakers game on uh, new year's day. And then they've got, you know, finally a long home stretch coming up, but they have a number of these one-offs throughout the year. And and if they can do a good job in those and maintain a, a, you know, you got to win your home games if you're going to be a top four seed in the Western conference and then keep doing what they're doing, getting better on the road. And as you said, beating the teams they are supposed to beat on the road. Um, you know, we'll talk about the upcoming schedule, but you know, it wouldn't be a shock to lose at Boston. That's okay, but you got to win at Brooklyn. You got to win at Orlando. Some of these other road games upcoming. Uh, and if they do that and take care of business, then, you know, you're looking at a, at high, a high 40 win season for the Wolves. Yeah, and we'll talk about this next week of game and some of those games against Brooklyn and Boston um, towards towards the end of the show. As far as right now, let's let's move on to talk about the defensive improvement and specifically Carl Anthony Towns because a lot was made about his defensive um, ineptitude, you might say, how awful he was on that end of the court. But some people, myself included, think that he's starting to get better. What have you seen or have you noticed – that he's taking any leaps or any improvement at all on the defensive end of the floor. 
Yeah, I think I think that there is some. He's starting to figure it out from just from a knowing where to be standpoint, um, and that comes with reps and it comes with being in Tom Thibodeau's defense for for over a year now. Um, but I also think he's playing harder, and I think he's um, he's on both ends of the court, and he's always played hard offensively, but he's starting to show some of the the basketball IQ improvement. The game is quote unquote slowing down for him. He's making the right passes on offense. He's passed the ball more in the paint, which has led to some turnovers. But um, And I think that in turn, the success on offense and, and a few more touches here and there has has caused him to play harder on defense. He's being a little more selective when he's chasing block shots. He isn't all over the place like he was for a stretch, um, really kind of November-ish, um, when he was, I think, hearing a little bit too much about how he wasn't a great rim protector and he was overexerting himself trying to get these um, kind of foolish – blocks where he was leaving the backside of the defense uncovered for, you know, dump off passes or offensive rebounds um, by the other team. And I think he's finally kind of struck that balance where he knows calculated, you know, should I go after this block? Should I stay home? You know, where, where do I need to be spacing wise? Um, and Tom Thibodeau talked a little bit about it in his postgame press conference um, after the Lakers win, which is a, a fun press conference to listen to as well probably about as happy as we'll hear Tibbs or we have so far. He talked about the difference between, you know, a block shot and a layup for the other team being, it could be a matter of a foot. Um, and Towns is still getting there, but we've certainly seen some progress. And if, if you watch some of the Wolves defensive possessions, especially early in these games, the last two games when the opponent hasn't scored until five plus minutes into the game, Towns is a big part of that. He's, you know, he's covering and he's recovering. Um, and he's he's helping where he needs to help and he's filling passing lanes and, and staying active. And, and I think the, the biggest thing is the activity. But I also think that the basketball IQ, if you want to call it that, is, is coming along as well. Yeah, he's definitely being a lot pickier about when to go for those block shots, which I think is a huge key. In, in my opinion, in watching film and looking at the stats, I think he's getting closer to being an average defensive player. I still don't think... He's an average defensive big man in the league, but I think he's getting closer and taking steps, which at his age is a huge improvement because he's not going to be a perfect player right now. Even on offense, he's still far from being what he's going to be in his prime three years from now. So I think taking these steps is really key and a huge uh, you know, improvement for him. And so here are some stats just during the month of December about Towns on defense. So from December 1st to December 31st, his defensive rating was 104.5. And to give you some context on what that means, that's better than Steven Adams, DeAndre Jordan, and Anthony Davis were during December. And so those are three guys who are known for their defensive ability, and Towns had a better defensive rating than them. And I know defensive rating isn't that be-all, end-all. It's a more of a team metric, but the Timberwolves overall have been a better team with Towns on the floor. Their rating with Towns on the floor is exactly that, the 104.5. But when he sits, it plummets to a 119.3, which is just amazing. I know a lot of that has to do with when he's off the floor, it's a lot of times the starter or the bench, and the bench unit has struggled mightily. But he's making a positive impact on defense. And Minnesota's most used lineup is their original starting lineup of Jeff Teague, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, Taj Gibson, and Towns. And that lineup has a defensive rating of 102.3. And Butler and Taj Gibson play a huge role in that rating being so good because of their defensive ability. But Towns deserves some of that credit as well. And so he's really starting to turn it around, not only on film, but metrically as well. He's, As far as the film goes, when I watch, he's a very good, or he has a lot of potential in the pick and roll and able to defend that because he can move 
laterally, he can move well enough to stay in front of the smaller guards or at least yeah. contest their shots. You saw that, I think it was against the Pacers where he got switched on to pick and roll and ended up blocking a shot. And so he can do that well enough. He just needs to stay engaged. His effort needs to be there. And for me, it's that yeah. off ball is where he needs to stay in his stance, stay engaged. He can't let up when he's off the ball because with some of their defenders he has on the perimeter in front of him, you never know when they're going to let a drive go by. Yeah, um, and that was one of the things that was supposed to be so great about Towns coming out of Kentucky was um, all the scouting reports said that he, because of his switchability, because of his um, his the athleticism he has and his length and everything, that he would be able to switch um, at the NBA level and guard the pick and roll especially. Uh, that wasn't expected to be an issue, but I think it is partly an effort thing and it's partly a scheme thing. I mean – they're asked to cover a pick and roll differently in Tibbs offense or Tibbs defense, excuse me, than he ever was for Calipari at Kentucky, um, and and probably differently than he than he had to as a rookie in the NBA too. Um, so I I think that it, it does take some time, and we talked about this a week or two ago on the podcast. I think it was two weeks ago that that there is some patience, and and I know asking Wolves fans to be patient isn't really fair, but when you're talking about a 22 year old in Carl Anthony Towns. The fact that he's just now figuring out that defense, defensive aspect of things, I mean, he's still, what, five, six years away from the start of his prime. So, I mean, there's there's so much. The sky really is the limit. And and if, if he has turned a corner and, and we need to be careful thinking that he has, if anything else, we know he's improved. And, and that's, you know, we certainly should be talking about that. Yeah, I think the next step for him is consistency. Not just doing this for a month or a small stretch of games, but doing it for yeah. a long period of time. That's how players, you know, get better. They show flashes of being able to do it here and there, and then they take the next jump, whether it be the next season or whatnot, and do it for longer periods of time. Then they take another jump and do it for even longer periods of time. And so, that's where Towns might be at is just continuing this, this good, this almost average defensive play for another month or so. You know, not letting up, especially against this really tough stretch of games where they're going to play teams like the Thunder. They're going to play the Pelicans, the Cavaliers, the Rockets, you know, the Warriors. They have a lot of tough games coming up in January. So we'll see how far this defensive play takes him and if it really does continue or if it was just a blip on the radar. Yeah, that should be fun to watch. And something else that that I think we can add into that with, with Towns and how the Wolves will be covering pick and rolls is – how differently their defense will be with Jeff Teague, excuse me, with Jeff Teague out and with Tyus Jones in the starting lineup. It's been, um, what, it'll be a week later. So it'll, it'll be, have been about a week's worth of games now, Tyus in the starting lineup. Um, I think that overall, I, I think Britt Robson wrote something about it today over at The Athletic um, about Jones' improvement on defense and he his steal rate since he's he's been inserted in the starting lineup. And in those four games Teague missed with his Achilles injury, is off the charts. Um, and obviously steals aren't the end all be all, but if you watch back all of his steals, they're not gambles. Um, you know, they're, they're pickpockets and they're just getting his hand in passing lanes and, and, um, just being really smart. And it'll be interesting to see how that changes the wolves defensive coverage, because I think he's quicker than Jeff Teague at this stage in Teague's career. And I think Mm. he's, um, probably a savvier he's, he's quick. And I think he's a savvier defender than Jeff Teague. I'm not saying he's a better offensive player. Um, Tyus Jones is. It's going to be interesting to see to see how that plays out. Yeah, I think I think the the one thing that we might see a little bit of with Tyus Jones playing point guard um, while Teague is out is uh, there's some similarities defensively to Ricky Rubio in terms of the defensive IQ and the quickness and the propensity to get steals. So it'll and that relates a little bit to how Towns is covering 
pick and rolls, especially on defense too. So we'll see if um, if the defense improves with Jones versus Teague, and I think it will because I, I really don't think there's any question that Jones is a better defender at this stage in his career than Jeff Teague is. The question is, will the offense stay up to par um, or maybe even get better with Tyus Jones? Um, it, we don't know how long Teague's out. But I think that you're seeing that jump defensively from Towns, but also from the point guard position. And, and I think overall that's having a really significant impact on, on the Wolves' defensive um, performance over the last week or so. So I know this is going a little off base, but I I think that Tyus Jones is overall a better defensive player than Jeff Teague, but I think that's only because of Jeff Teague's lack of engagement on that end of the floor on a consistent basis. Teague, Teague when he's engaged, he is, I mean, he is quicker than Tyus Jones, in my opinion. I think that when he's engaged, he can stay with a point guard, stay in front of a point guard a lot easier than Tyus Jones ha- can, where Tyus has the huge advantage over Jeff Teague is in his basketball IQ. I mean, Tyus knows how to play those passing lanes, like you said. He gets he gets a lot of his steals coming off ball, just reading where the guy's going to throw the ball and taking advantage of it. And I agree with you. For the most part, they're not gambles. He does gamble quite a bit, but he gets a lot of his steals just being one step ahead of the offense, which is huge. And so I think that Tyus Jones is overall a better player, but I don't think that he's quicker I think he's consistently more engaged than Teague a lot of times you see Teague getting burned by not paying attention or you know not fully in his defensive stance Um, well then I'll take that I guess I'll take somebody who's engaged (laughs) and who's who's being a better defender I think you said Tyus is an overall player did you mean defender yep yeah yep overall defensive player Okay, I just yeah. want to clarify. Heck yeah, no, and, and I'm not arguing that Tyus Jones is better than Jeff Teague. We don't have the evidence to, to suggest that yet. Um, you know, this, whoa, whoa, yet? this season is – well, we don't know that he won't be. Um, you know, he's, he's what, four or five years younger. The hate um, is real. No, I, I like Jeff Teague. I think Jeff Teague should still be the starting point guard. I just think that it'll be, it'll be an interesting case study. I mean, a lot of the – again, small sample size, a lot of the advanced metrics and some different things and the, and the way the Wolves' defense has played with Jones on the court – um, with the starters, at least with those units, suggests that Jones, the Wolves would be better with Jones and with Teague. But it's still a small sample size, and Teague adds that element offensively that the Wolves have have not had in a long time. So I'm certainly not arguing that Tyus Jones is for sure better today. I just think it'll be fun to see how the team plays with Tyus Jones running the show with the starters. Um, and I think we've already seen, certainly on defense, that the team has improved a little bit in this, you know, the, the last few games. I, I gotta remember that you're you're a Ricky Rubio lover, and maybe there's a little hard feelings that Jeff Teague came in and took over the starting point guard spot. I wouldn't say that. I like Jeff Teague. All right, all right, all right. I like so, Jeff Teague. I just I like defense too, and and uh, it's interesting <laughs> to me. It's interesting to me that Tibbs. It still kind of baffles me that because you're right, Jeff Teague does he doesn't sit in a stance. It's a little bit like what happens with Andrew Wiggins far too often. Is oh, he just kind of just kind of stands there and um it doesn't actually get into a, a guarding stance um and it's interesting to me because it's not like that hasn't been on film for the first what seven or eight years of teague's career and yet tibbs still felt that strongly that he needed that dynamic score and the shooting ability from the point guard spot um so i'm wondering if tyus jones might be in a way the best of both worlds um you know and, and there's certain i'm not saying he's the perfect player because he's not but um he has an element that jeff teague certainly doesn't bring so We'll see. Maybe if he if he plays really really well, then maybe we'll see a little more Tyus Jones down the stretch um, of the season. Maybe the minute split will be a little more even between Teague and Jones. I mean, I wouldn't hold my breath given the way that Tibbs plays as starters, but you never know. Yeah, and I I think that's a good point because Teague's been just as advertised. He's been exactly the player mm-hmm. he's been for most of his career, and that's yeah. what 
um, Thibodeau signed up for. I mean, Teague isn't giving us anything that different. We Going into the season, Thibodeau knew that he likes to have the ball in his hands, that he might over-dribble at times, that sometimes he gets lost on defense, but he's also been a great playmaker and a good you know, he's, set, he's been setting up his teammates very well, setting up himself to score, so he's been exactly as advertised. I think it's going to be a big loss um, until he returns, which hopefully will be on the low end of the two- to four-week spectrum. But, I mean, I think it'll be a big loss, if nothing else, than just because of Aaron Brooks, and now he has to play. I mean, you, are, you saw against the Lakers that Minnesota went without a traditional point guard for stretches of the game when they had Crawford and Butler out there. One mm-hmm. time they even had Georges Hunt and Butler. And so yep. that's how little Thibodeau trusts Aaron Brooks, even though Brooks is on the roster. So it'll be, yeah, it'll he be may- a good test for Tyus, but Teague overall will be missed. Yeah, Tibbs made some comment in the postgame presser about Brooks. He said something along the lines of, you know, he's a veteran, he's been around, he'll get better the more he plays. And, and, I, I get what he's saying. He's got to, He hasn't played much this year, and he's got to play himself into to playing shape, I guess, and, and and knock the rust off. But I mean, there comes a time where he's just you know he's past he's well past his prime. So it'll be interesting to see how, how much Brooks gets those minutes in the first half. But then if in the second half, if he goes with Butler at, at the point, and I think at some point that's going to be a little too much wear and tear on him. But um, yeah. but yeah, it, it, that'll be that'll be something to watch. Well, yeah, and if Brooks is not hitting shots, he's not helping the team at all. I mean, he's not right. a good defender. That's what he's there for is to hit shots. So maybe that's what Tibbs is kind of feeling out. Is he going to hit his shots? And if not, then he'll sit in the second half. Yeah. So before moving on to Jimmy Butler, just wanted to plug the Dunking with the Wolves app. You can find it in your app store on your phone, and that way you can get all of our articles, our podcasts, etc. Everything comes right to your phone. And so that's I know that's what you want. You want Ben and I in your pocket at all times, so make sure to go to your app store and to download our Dunking with the Wolves app. So moving on, the next topic we want to talk about is Jimmy Butler and his clutch play. He went off against the Denver Nuggets last, was it last Thursday night or last Wednesday, Wednesday night? Last Wednesday yep. night. And he really carried the team to victory. He went into the fourth quarter with only 16 points, but by the end of overtime he had his Timberwolves career high of 39 points, and that included 11 in the fourth quarter and then 12 in overtime. And the only bucket that Timberwolves didn't score, or that Butler didn't score in overtime was off an assist to Jamal Crawford. So he really stepped it up in that fourth quarter in overtime and literally carried the Wolves. What did you think of his clutch play during that game? thought it was awesome um that was i was i was actually at that game um and so i got to uh got to witness the mvp chance that that slowly grew throughout the game um the first half was you know the first quarter the wolves made what five or six i think their first six three-point attempts um and uh it it was a fun start to the game and then you could just kind of feel it slipping and slipping and slipping there was a jeff teague injury there were a couple of bogus um, foul calls on carl anthony towns especially but also on taj gibson Um, both those guys fouled out and uh um i mean i mean at some point you know butler just kind of went into straight i'm not passing mode except for the assist to crawford which is a huge play um but he had to. I mean, Towns was out of the game. Gibson was out of the game. T was out of the game. It was him and Wiggins were the only starters on the floor. Um, and he was clearly exhausted. And, um, you know, he missed a big free throw down the stretch. And he, I think he blamed the MVP chance on, on uh, for the miss. But, uh, yeah, I think it was, it was one of those things where you could just kind of feel the crowd. And it was a sellout crowd, and it was a legit sellout. I mean, it, it was packed. 
you could feel the crowd just kind of realize, um, you know, sometime in the fourth quarter into overtime, like, wait a minute, this is this is Jimmy Butler. Like, he is the best thing we've had since Kevin Garnett, and um, he's a bona fide NBA All Star. And if the Wolves win 50 games, he's going to be a legitimate MVP candidate. And this turned from like, man, here goes another big lead that they've squandered to, holy crap, Jimmy Butler's really, really good. Let's just enjoy this. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we've rarely seen Wiggins or Towns do that. I mean, we've seen them have big games, but not carry yeah. a team down the stretch like that right. against a playoff-quality opponent. And that's what Denver is, is they're going to be in the playoffs, probably as a 6-7 seed, but they're going to be in the playoffs. And they were playing really well. Their only two losses um, in that in like a week span was against the Timberwolves, and that included a win over the Warriors. So Denver mm-hmm. was playing really well, and Butler really just willed them to the victory which is something like i said that's rarely we've rarely seen wiggins and towns do if if we've ever seen it do um my i want to enjoy it and i loved it and it was awesome because that's a jimmy butler at his finest but that was more of an exception to butler um than the rule as far as in clutch time this year he struggled mightily and so clutch time just to catch everyone up it's the last five minutes of a game or overtime when the game is within five points so Typically, Butler's usage rate is 24.3% for the whole season. So that means that he uses 24.3% of the Timberwolves' possessions. But during um, clutch time, it skyrockets to 40.1%, which, as we saw, can be a good thing. But one of the bad things is he's only shooting 42.2% during clutch time, which is not very good. And so I think that we'll see we'll start to see it come up like it did against the Nuggets because typically in Butler's career he's been a very good clutch time player but so far this season outside of that Nuggets game he's kind of struggled but it was awesome to see him go off and I just love his swag he's got this this demeanor about him that just you know screams that he's a badass and so I love that coming from Jimmy Butler yeah and and I think that Certainly his usage rate should be high in those situations and higher than the rest of the game, but it shouldn't be over 40%. And I think that's been, they've ran a little bit too much in the way of isolation sets instead of, instead of having him initiate. Right. And, and, and he's so good in the pick and roll and he had nine assists in the game against the Lakers. He did have seven turnovers, but he literally played point guard for seven or eight minutes. Um, but if he's kind of your secondary ball handler and if Tyus Jones or Jeff Teague isn't handling the ball and you're running pick and rolls initiated by Butler, that's how you get Carl Anthony Towns and Taj Gibson more involved. And Butler can make those passes. Um, the pass to Crawford was a great pass. Um, and, and so what's happening is teams are loading up on the isolation plays. And so often Butler can draw a foul and that's why the Wolves have gotten away with it more, more often than not, um, is he's drawing fouls and shooting like 12 free throws a game, it seems like recently. And in that Nuggets game, he was 16 of 18 at the free throw line. Um, he shot the, he was only 10 of 20 from the floor, which isn't bad, but 16 of his 39 points were at the free throw line. Um, and he's so good at getting there and so good at fighting through contact um, that they're still going to have a, a high amount of success with him shooting the ball a ton in, in clutch time. Um, but teams just aren't going to let him get a clean shot either. So he's got to know when to dish it off. Crawford getting an open jumper. You know, Towns was fouled out of that game. But if they run more pick and rolls, I think we'll see them have even more success um, in close and late situations. Yeah, and they can get creative with those pick and rolls. They have a lot of mm-hmm. options, whether it be yeah. t- like the traditional Towns or Gibson. But they run quite a few, actually, 
uh, pick and rolls with Jeff Teague setting the screen because then they yeah. what they try to do is get Butler matched up with the smaller point guard off of that switch and then he just bangs mm-hmm. down low and I would even be okay to s- or open to have them mess around with a Wiggins Butler pick and roll or a Butler Wiggins pick and roll that would be kind of interesting to see I know that they probably are going to be guarded by similar players but the lesser defender would be on Wiggins so that might be an opportunity for Butler to get you know a lesser defender on him in the right matchup yeah and Wiggins is you're right Wiggins doesn't set a ton of screens in the Wolves offense and he's such a good cutter that be interesting to see if if um if they get him involved a little bit more in the screen and roll game if he'd be a good roller headed to the rim you know catching the ball as he's rolling through the paint and, and finishing in the lane because that's something that we've seen him we talked about this a couple weeks ago we've seen less cutting and less shot attempts in the lane from Wiggins this year and more mid-range jumpers and more three-pointers um, so maybe that's kind of the next frontier I mean they're they're figuring this out now with the offense as it is, but there's so many different options because they're so versatile because everybody in the starting five can hit a three if they need to, um, because they can basically all finish in the lane. They can all hit free throws at a good rate. Um, there's really the sky's the limit for this offense. And the fact that it is kind of, it has been an ugly offense at times this year, ugly enough that, you know, the national TV crews are complaining about it and, and they're, you know, shooting the ball under five seconds every every possession seemingly, but they're still fifth in offensive rating. And and there's still so much growth to be had by the offense um, that it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to see, to see, you know, what happens next. Yeah. Yep. I'm on board. What happens next? I'll be right here. So previewing the next week ahead, Minnesota again will have four games. Luckily, they only have one set of back-to-back within these games. So they'll play Wednesday night at the Brooklyn Nets. Then they'll have one day's rest, play Friday night at the Boston Celtics before returning home on Saturday night versus the New Orleans Pelicans. And then another day's rest, and Monday night they'll play at home against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So that is definitely four. Well, maybe you can set the Nets game aside, but three of those games are going to be tough. What's your prediction for next week? Um, I'm going to call it two and two. Um I really want to go three and one, but with that back to back in the middle, it makes it tough. I think, I think they'll win at Brooklyn, and yeah. then I think they'll. If I had to pick, <clears throat> I'm going to say they. If I had to pick a game, I'll say they win the Cavs game. I think New Orleans on the second half of a back to back will be tough um, with those big guys, um, and and I, I just don't. If I had to pick a game for them to win, I'll, I'll say they beat the Cavs. But two and two would be wouldn't be bad. I mean, you know. You you take out that Brooklyn game, and it's like the next six games after that are against teams that have a 500 record or better. Better so, going two and two in the next week and, and keeping them kind of right where they're at in the standings it wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, I think I, I agree. The Brooklyn win that should be a victory if they continue what they're doing. So I'm going to take that as one win at Boston. That's that's just a tough game. I, I think they lose that. The Pelicans they've been. They've given Carl Anthony Towns fits with Anthony yeah. Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. The first time they played this year, Towns gotten all sorts of foul trouble. Yeah, like and Cousins, two points. Yeah, yep, his career low. And then Cousins was just messing with him. The second time they played him, Anthony Davis got ejected in the second quarter, which I think really That's right, yeah. helped Minnesota, and I don't think that'll happen again. That was back when the refs were ejecting all the superstars. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm going to say they lose those games. I think they'd beat the Pelicans if it wasn't on the second of a back-to-back. 
And then versus the Cavs, I don't like that matchup either with Isaiah Thomas back now. I, I mean, oh. I'm going to say one and three, unfortunately. That's going to be my prediction. Um, and we'll see. This will be a great test for Tyus Jones because he's going to get Kyrie Irving. Then he's going to get Drew Holiday, who's playing at an all-star level. And then he's going to get Isaiah Thomas for 20, 22 minutes. So that will be a really good test to see how far Tyus Jones has come um, in his short career. Yeah, it'll be a fun week. I mean, I, it's it's nice to to watch these games that the Wolves should be winning by 15 points or so. Uh, but it'll be fun to see them go to Boston. It'll be fun to see them play the Cavs. And then, you know, looking ahead to that, it's a bunch of other playoff teams um, and a lot of national TV games. They've got three in the next two weeks on ESPN, and then they have a TNT game. So, um, you know, they're getting the recognition, and they're going to finally start playing some good teams. So we'll see if they can uh, if they can keep up the the solid play they've had so far this year against other good teams. Um, and, and we'll really see if, if some of this improvements for real. For sure. Well, thanks everyone for checking in. You can find us online at www.dunkingwithwolves.com. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. We'd appreciate if you guys would rate, subscribe, like, whatever you got to do. We'd appreciate it. You can find Ben Beacon on Twitter at bbeacon. You can find myself, Brian Sampson, on Twitter at Brian Sampson NBA. I hope you guys tune in next time. Thanks, Wolves fans.